Welcome to Focus on Success with Fazia Costi. Our program is designed to help you with executive function challenges. Our guest experts offer perspective, experience, and ideas to improve different aspects of your life. Now, here is your host, Fazia Costi. Hi, welcome. I'm Fazia Costi, and today on Parenting Pulse, we are talking with Dr. Sarah Bald. We're going to talk about bridging the learning gap. So, in the last few years, we've been dealing with COVID all throughout the the planet. And I personally have been dealing with a lot of students who've had some issues with online learning. And we can talk a little bit more about some examples of that. But I I think I want to start off with online learning and how that impacted uh, student learning. How do you feel about that? Oh, gosh. Online learning was really good for some students, really not good for other students. I have my introvert kids who loved it who they didn't have to socialize with anybody. They got to just do their work <laughs> at their own pace. And they thought it was the greatest thing ever. Um, yeah. We had a few schools in the Valley explode uh, that were geared towards online learning already. So they had it figured out. So we right. saw their numbers increase and they just got better and better at what they did. But there were a lot of kids who suffered and a lot of kids who fell through the cracks with, with online well, learning. I, I agree. I think some schools did a really fantastic job and then others did not. I think the biggest issue that I saw when kids transitioned, um, it was one, very abrupt. And two, there was really no training. There was no training that said to kids, hey, just because your teacher isn't there doesn't mean you don't have anything to do. I, I think I told you that one story mm-hmm. that I had the little boy that was 12 and and he would go to his lecture in the morning with his homeroom teacher and he would never check his assignments and he would just go lay down, take a nap, watch a movie, play get it play video games. And it took his parents like a week or two to figure out what he was up to and why his homework wasn't getting done. Um, so yeah. And for those of you who can't see Sarah's laughing, but it was, it was really, it was really comical. And then when I spoke with him and we found out that he wasn't being difficult, he did not have the skill set to figure out what he needed to do. And there was no training. So, um, I'm not really sure, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure you're seeing a different perspective of uh, this problem than I am very clearly. Um, but from my perspective, I think a lot of the, the, the issues became prominent because there's really no training for kids. There's really no um, how to. And as we all know, you know, online learning is a skill set. You have to have an ability to manage your time well. You have to have an ability to organize your space, make sure you have pen and paper to take notes. And most of my students already struggle with uh, yeah. executive function challenges. So pressing you know. kids with underdeveloped frontal lobes <laughs> to completely use their frontal lobe to their fullest capacity and do all these things that we expect adults to do. Right. Well, even adults can't do this without some training, some you know expectations right. laid out. So it became a real challenge for kids. And well, so- not only that, but like I had kids who got really good there. You know, there was not the training. There also wasn't the account- accountability because yes. I had kids who got really good at I have a split screen. I can look like I'm looking at the screen right now, but I am playing Minecraft <laughs> or, right. or whatever it is. And I, I'm going to chime in as much as I need to, but I'm going to be able to pull up a game and play that while Easily. I'm working. 
yeah. I, I had one student whose parents actually had everything set up for him to do gaming on the same computer. He was expected <laughs> to do his homework. He had no pens, no pencils, nothing to take notes on. And they didn't understand why he was failing. Right. And so we had to have a conversation about how to set him up for success. And having the gaming stuff there was not helpful. No. Not at all. I, even in like the therapy, like I do online therapy sessions and my kids are like, let me, can I show you my screen? Can you, can you request my screen so I can show you this game that I'm playing and I'm going to walk you through it. And I'm like, this is not what we're using this time for. And it's, but, but it's what we're able to do during the school day. And they wanted, you know, they wanted to show me and I'm like, no, right. <laughs> this is not what we're using our time for. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> well, I, I think there were some kids who really um, benefited from their time working from home, you know, there's certain kids that really benefited from that. And I'm sure that you got to see the, yeah. the result of that as well. But I think well, for the and, most and part, kind of increase didn't. in like, I don't know, and like family connection too, for parents who weren't completely overwhelmed, which is not many of us, but you know, for families that figured out the schedule, figured out how to make it work for everybody, you got to see some good family bonding that happened. We got to more that one-on-one time than we've gotten in years. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> I heard there was like an increase in like uh, adopted dogs as well. Like I think people, you know, not only wanted to spend time together, but those, you know, individuals who wanted companionship or wanted to include another, mm-hmm. you know, element into their family life, they got to do that. And I think that did increase their bonding. Yeah. You know, absolutely. I, I And I feel like everyone is just now, this is not, there is no research to back the statement I'm about to make, but I feel like everyone right now is going back to work because traffic's gotten worse. So I'm like, is everyone just now going back into the office? Like we really were remote and able to spend our time at home more for the last two, two and a half years. I think think a lot of businesses are actually requesting uh, people come back to work. I have an adult client who worked uh, fully remotely for the last two years. And over the last two months, three months, she's been requested to come back in two days out of the week as opposed to five, whereas oh, before nice. she worked five. So, you know. Then you still get the social interaction, but right. then you can also, I think a lot of companies recognize that we could still be productive at home and more productive than they thought. Right. Well, yeah. think about all the time you spend commuting back and forth. I mean, for most people, that's at least 30 minutes a day, if not a full hour. Yeah. You know, so that's five to 10 hours out of your week that you can spend with your kids or your spouse or your dog or whomever you want to spend time with, or even do better at your job. Um, And for the, in the case of my client who just started going back to work, she actually spent that time working. So they're Mm -hmm. actually getting less productivity out of her by requesting her to come back into the office. Right. I'll be curious to see if they continue doing research to see if there are changes with people returning to work too, as much as they did with people leaving work. I I think that would be a fantastic um, piece of information to have. I really do. I think our world has totally changed. There's no denying it. Uh, It'll be curious over the next 10 years to see what what we discover um, and what ends up sticking. Yeah. I, I think the the thing for for my kids that I work with, the hardest part has been the transition of going from in person to online and then back and forth. You know, yeah. it's like okay, yeah, no, we're, really we're, yeah, 
yeah. So now we're back in the classroom. Oh, wait, now we're back, you know, working from home. And, and they're not equipped to switch back and forth like no. that. It's, no. I, don't, I don't think you, even as an adult, you can do that adequately. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's, that's a lot of transitions. That's a lot of up in the air. Nobody likes ambivalence. A no. lot of mental health concerns come from the ambivalence, the unknowns. You know, I, yeah. I always say depression's living in the past, anxiety is living in the future because you're so round up about all the coulds that happened or that right. could happen. And it was the same when we're bouncing back and forth of we don't know. So we're going to develop more anxiety or be more anxious about it because we don't know if we're going to be in school, out of school. We don't know what it's going to look like. And some kids are really flexible and resilient and can do it. Other kids really struggle with that. Well, a lot of the kids that I work with who have, as you know, frontal lobe challenges. Yes. They don't do well with transitions, mm-hmm. especially yeah. not such big transitions without preparation. Well, I think those kids really need a lot of structure. Mm-hmm. They need consistency. They need routines. And we took right. them completely out of their routines by going back and forth for so long. Well, for somebody like me who works specifically on helping people build their routines, when external forces are kind of going against what I'm doing, <laughs> it makes it hard for my students to succeed. Yeah, it yep. really it's it puts a whole new level on their challenges, and then they're getting more failures out of their day, and then you start to see that negative spiral of I'm not going to be successful. Right, their self esteem starts to suffer, their confidence starts to suffer, and um, any way you look at it, I think I think it's just a really difficult place to be. Um, I would really like to see you know this whole back and forth thing with online learning versus in person. I'd like it. I I'd just like to see it stop. I don't think there's any reason why our kids can't be in the classroom. I think right now they are. I've I've done some school observations for some of the independent ed evaluations I've been doing lately, and things seem to be returning to normal. So I'm I'm hopeful that we will learn from the last few years and and try to keep kids in a consistent environment. So what are some of the other um, ways that, students have learning gaps that you've seen? I mean, that I've seen my own practice. I've had quite a few parents over the last few weeks come in and flat out tell me, well, my teacher says the whole class is a year behind in school and that I shouldn't be worrying about this. And so that is true. Um, I have to be very cautious in my evaluations right now of, is it an educational deficit because you weren't exposed to the material for a couple of years, or is there a tried and true learning disability? Right. I need to rely more on the neuropsychological constructs of learning in making my diagnoses than actually looking at the academics. I'm still going to do it because I still want the data, but I have to rely more on, is the brain able to learn than am I just looking at a score? And unfortunately, that's how many learning disabilities, many executive function deficits are diagnosed of, oh, this is a low score, so it must be an issue. Um, But then when we get into the schools, they're more hesitant to make eligibility determinations because all the kids are behind. So it's it's this chicken or egg situation. And if you're not trained in that neuropsychology piece, you're going to you're going to maybe miss something and chalk it up to, oh, this is just an educational gap or we are actually dealing with a significant educational gap right now um, that is concerning. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think more data is needed or do you think this will kind of balance out in the next year or two? Both. 
I think we're gonna we're gonna learn more and more. The um, the American Academy of Pediatric Neuropsychology put out a paper in February that says the effect size uh, or the effects of being out of school for so long for these kids is three to four times greater than we initially thought. So I'll be curious and all the early research. So I'm talking late 2020. All that research we're seeing, it's about three to four times worse than we thought it was. And I'll be curious how that continues to shape and molds over the next few years. I think we're going to learn a lot of information. There was, I don't know, the the research study off the top of my head. I said a client tell me about it. Um, there was a strike in, I should do my research before we do this. I want to say it was Chile. There was okay. a teacher strike and kids were out of school for a month or two or three. And they followed those kids through their lifespan and found they weren't as successful in adulthood as their peers who weren't part of that strike and as other generations were. So I'll be curious if we see any of that same impact. Granted, we're different times. There's more technology now. We were able to still learn while we were away. There were still options. There was still access. But I'll, I'll be curious what the longitudinal data for these kids looks like. Absolutely. Yeah, I'd love to take a peek at that. If you if you can find that, yeah, yeah that, that would be a fantastic uh, thing to take a look at. Um, so what are some of the things that you're seeing in your practice that, that maybe has you a little concerned about bridging that learning gap? Are there any things that you're seeing, you know, for, from the emotional perspective, the anxiety perspective, like you said, anxiety's up. Is there anything else that we should be concerned about? Anxiety's up, depression's up. Um, we started, I went to an interesting talk. It, it went along the lines of one of our last parenting pulses where we talked about technology and social media. Um, I went to a talk on social media and the effects it's having on kids. And it, with the introduction of TikTok, I think it was 2020 and Snapchat, we saw increased rates of depression and anxiety in kids. Obviously, correlation, not causation, but curious. Right. Um, and with 2020, so you've got these kids who are especially our teens, they're in a developmental life stage where it's appropriate and almost required to have social interaction to help build a sense of identity. So if you take away that in-person social interaction where you're picking up on those social cues, things like that, and you know, maybe you're just playing among us or you're just on the internet where there's trolls and all. <laughs> all the other good stuff we're dealing with. Um, you take away how they're supposed to be de- developing right now and they're suffering because of it. I, you know, identity crises because I don't know who I am. I don't know what I'm interested in. Increased depression, increased anxiety. I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but there's been just astronomical increase in hospitalizations and seeking counseling for, for kids and teens right now. And then two, you've got the little guys who rely on reading facial expressions to help learn their environment. We took away facial expressions for a couple mm-hmm. of years. So just there's a lot more to be concerned about than just the academics. I know we're talking about today bridging the academic gaps, um, but really being in tune with your kids is important to make sure all their needs are being met, academics and social emotional. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was one of the biggest concerns I had is, you know, how are these young ones getting their social um, 
knowledge, you know, because that is that is a lot of information they're missing when they're not looking at social cues, mm-hmm. um, especially the really tiny ones where facial expressions mean so much to them. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I, I it's going to be very interesting data in the next couple of years. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Not not necessarily good, but very interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's talk a little bit about some of the things that we can do to maybe alleviate the bridge and, and bridge that learning gaps, maybe help kind of build like a little roadmap for um, students and parents to kind of help relieve some of the pressure they're feeling um, to get their kids caught up. Um, so for me, one, one of the most important things that I think we can do for our kids is if you see a deficiency in their learning to immediately address it. And one of the easiest ways to address it for older kids, especially for, and by older, I mean, school age, not, not little, little kids, maybe from the age of first grade on up is tutoring. Um, so if your child's behind in a subject, address it, um, you know, right away so that they can continue to learn at the correct pace. The The challenge though here, and I don't know if, if, you've seen this, but the challenge is if if people take their kids and and get them caught up, um, then what happens to those? Now there's a discrepancy, right? So there's people that don't do anything and there's people who really accelerate their kids. How do the, how do schools address that discrepancy in, in the learning gap? Well, the schools are working their best. A lot of teachers are reviewing data from the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. So going over those foundational skills, again, incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. So what suggestions would you have? For the schools or for home? Either one. <laughs> uh, so t- like you said, tutoring is very important. Um, also making sure you're communicating with your child's teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you see that deficiency going in, what are you seeing? A, how does it compare to the class? Because that is important data. But asking them, is there something that we can be working on at home to make your job easier, to make life easier for you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Is there a particular area of weakness you're seeing in my child? Or is there a particular area of weakness you're seeing in all of the kids that's something we should be focusing on? You know, taking, taking that education in your hands as a parent. Kind of addressing certain things as a community as opposed to an individual. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both the individual and the community, you know, what, what areas do we need to focus on? I think, you know, our, I would argue this, this year's round of state district testing across the nation will be much more informative than the last couple of years of, okay, where are we (laughs) missing? Where are the holes? Um, in what we've done. The study I referenced earlier from the American Academy of Pediatric Neuropsychology really focused on reading intervention, but understanding written texts. And what they're yeah. seeing is kids are much weaker in that area as opposed to the others. Mm-hmm. So how do we focus on reading? How do we focus on reading comprehension, learning to read, um, working on phonological awareness, how do we break down part sounds of words to sound out words we don't know? Right, right. Um, and also, in addition to tutoring, you know, how can we make learning 
fun at home too. How can we incorporate some of that learning at home? Well, before we started taping, you had talked about that also about bringing, you know, games in to help students with reading and math. And and I think that was a fantastic idea. I also think, you know, um, games are a really good way for students to learn their executive function skills. It's also a really good way for them to learn just basic reading and basic math. And, and, and I think you can make anything fun depending on the age for little kids. It's, you know, who are just learning how to count. You can just go through your house and count things. You can count the number of forks you have at the table. You can count the number of chairs you have or whatever it is. You just count all day long. Trust yeah. me, it, it may not seem exciting to you as a parent, but it makes a huge difference for kids. It reinforces that skill. Yep. And then if you have multiple kids, when you're driving on the car, Timmy, you count all the red cars. Bobby, you count the white cars. Susie, you count the green cars. See who counts how many cars or how many cars there are on the road, things like that. It, exactly. And, and I think that makes a huge, huge difference. Or having older kids maybe read to younger kids. Um, and then maybe once the younger kid's a little bit better at reading, you change that role around. Yeah. Um, I and know my kids love dog. reading to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You, uh, some of the dog shelters will let kids come in and read to the dogs. Yes. You, I think that's a fantastic idea. Uh, uh, you might come home with a dog, but. <laughs> I'd probably come home with a bunch of dogs, but that's why yeah. I don't go. <laughs> I would too. Uh, or every city now has like a cat cafe. So you could take your yes. kid to the cat cafe and they can read to the kitty cat. You know, anything like that. How do you read to someone who needs it? How do you teach a little a little one how to read? That can be a lot of fun. Yeah. So we'll be back after these messages. Um, we'll come back and talk to Dr. Sarah Bald when we return. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, you can go to executivefunctioncoachaz.com. And you can subscribe to our magazine or you can get in touch with me there. We'll be back after these messages. Thank you for listening. Without you, this would not be possible. If you are struggling with organization, time management, or other executive functions, Fawzia Costi is ready to put you on the path to success. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Fawzia works with in-person clients at her Phoenix, Arizona office, or with clients anywhere across the country remotely. Mention that you heard this ad from the Focus on Success radio show and receive a free initial consultation with Fawzia, plus $50 off an intake evaluation, a $300 value. Visit executivefunctioncoachaz.com or call 480-648-1122. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Focus on Success. To reach Fazia Costi or her guest on the live show, please call 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. 
You may also send an email to Fazia at executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Now, back to Focus on Success. Hi, welcome back. I'm Fazia Costi, and today we're talking to Dr. Sarah Bald about bridging the learning gap, especially after all this wonderful online stuff that's been going on with kids dealing with COVID. Um, I think bridging the learning gap is a really good topic. So welcome back to the show, Dr. Bald. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, So let's talk a little bit about what are some of the other recommendations that you might have um, for kids that are maybe struggling a little bit from their learning gaps? Um, Like before the, the break, we talked about reading and just different games that we can play with our kids with math and 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 I think we can do like a lot of different things. We can do science experiments, which include, you know, math and reading, or we can do some simple things like cook. Mm-hmm. You know, reading recipes are a fantastic way to incorporate math and reading. Yep. You and know? measurements. And so you can add, say you need a, I don't know, a quarter cup of brown sugar and a half a cup of white sugar. Then you can put both of those in. Now we've got three quarters of a cup of sugar. Right. Sugars. Um, so there's easy math and baking. There's also, you can do outdoor games like hopscotch, you know, one plus two, and then we're going to jump on what that is. Three plus two, and we're going to jump on the number that is. Um, right. Creating number lines in the backyard, practicing math facts while catching a football, while jumping on the trampoline. You know, the more motor and playful right. you make it, the better. I think being involved in the kids' education for the next couple of years, your child's education for the next couple of years is incredibly important. Or even uh, when you're driving around reading street signs. Yep. Um, it might seem like a simple thing, but you're engaging with your child and they're practicing their reading. And they yeah. might be practicing some harder words than they would see in their books. Totally. And different words and real life words than mm-hmm. they would see in their books. Exactly. Uh, there's a lot of different games I like out there. When I think about reading and writing, I think of Boggle and Scrabble are the obvious ones. There's categories. So you have to come up with words that start with a certain letter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's math games. Like if your kids love computer games, there's Prodigy is a math game that a lot of times they'll play in school, but I'm pretty sure you can get it as a parent. Sure. Uh, where you are doing math eggs to create battles, things like that. Absolutely. Um, ABC Mouse you can get at home and kids go Mm -hmm. crazy for ABC Mouse. I don't get it probably because I'm an adult, but kids (laughs) love it. The little kids love it. Um, We did jumpstart growing up. I liked (laughs) jumpstart. Yeah. I think we always gravitate toward things we're familiar with. Exactly. Um, Let's see. If we're looking at executive function games, I really like the game set for teaching kids that cognitive flexibility. Actually, I oh. use that quite a bit. And and people, you can go online and get it. It's online. Yeah. Setgame.com. There you go. <laughs> it's fantastic, but it teaches cognitive flexibility and how to consider different options. So especially for these yes. kids who had a hard time bouncing back and forth between being in school, out of school, incorporating a game, an executive function game like Set In might be beneficial. Helps them. Well, not only does it work with flexible thinking, but it helps improve their uh, attention, their processing Mm -hmm. speed. It helps them with problem solving, impulse control. It does a lot of wonderful things. And if you go to setgame.com, there's also Quiddler. And Quiddler is also a really great game. I don't know Quiddler. I'm going to have to get that one. 
<laughs> you should. It's a very fun game. Uh, yeah, the then, first yeah. time I was introduced to that, I think my daughter was in third or fourth grade. She, third or fourth grade. Yeah, her teacher sent it home with her. Um, and I thought, oh, this is an interesting game. So it was, it was kind of fun. I love that. Uh, well, and then with math, you've got games like set or even Uno mm-hmm. um, games that kids love and they love playing. Maybe, you know, you play Uno where you have to add up all of your points at the end and you have to keep a running total of how many points you have. Um, yes, things like absolutely. That. Simple, you take a typical game that you guys play at home, you make one or two tweaks to it, where now it's got a math component to it, now it has a reading component to it, and now you're working on academics without kids even recognizing. Yeah, and like I said earlier, you know, just cooking with your kids, involving them in your everyday uh, life, you know, cooking breakfast, making pancakes, simple recipes that they can participate in, you know, measure, like the little kids love to measure, you know, a cup of flour or a cup of milk or a teaspoon of vanilla, whatever it is, not only do they get to spend time with you, but they're practicing their other skills. And it's it's a pretty awesome trade-off, you know? You get yeah. to spend time with your kids. You might do it faster without yeah. them, but you know what? You can do a lot of things faster without them. <laughs> do everything faster without them. But if you have the time, so picking your battles, if I have the time right now that I can dedicate to this, I'm going to incorporate it. And it gets Absolutely. them off the so it gets Absolutely. them out of the computer, off the TV, and it's something they love. And kids are innately, most kids love to be helpers. So oh, I need absolutely. to help me go do X, Y, and Z. And maybe they have to go read something for you or read along at the recipe book while you're doing it or, mm-hmm. you know, anything like that might be beneficial as well. You know, and I also really like, uh, like summer camps or spring break camps. I know there's quite a few out there. Um, my favorite, I think, is uh, one of the Lego camps. Uh, hmm. but there's quite a few out there. You know, I know with Legos, you can build robots and, you know, it really has something for every age group, but they have imagination camps. They have um, math camps. And I know this because my kids have been to them. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> But you can also go for something as simple as surf camp. You know, if you're in an area where there's an ocean, why not? Um, Or if you want to, if you have the finances and you can send your kids somewhere, then why not? There's a lot of camps out there. You can even pottery camp. I mean, you're learning proportions. You're learning some, you know, you're learning some math, some reading. You're, You're learning a lot of social interaction. And I think Mm -hmm. that is really important. Yes. Making sure that they're out, they're interacting with other kids and they see at school, developing relationships with people they see outside of that academic setting as well, especially for kids who are frustrated with school and have a hard time in school, getting them involved in activities that take them outside of school, but they still get to meet kids their age is so valuable. Absolutely. You know, um, and then like, just workbooks. If your child's specifically behind on on a specific topic, like maybe um, they didn't grasp division quite as well as they could have, you can always get a workbook. Go to Lakeshore Learning, get a workbook. You can go online. They have a website. Get a workbook and practice, you know, five, 10 minutes a day until they grasp that concept. There is absolutely no reason for your kids to fall behind on anything. Um, you as a parent can definitely do 
a lot of things to help them get where they need to be. Um, Because we were talking earlier about how, you know, being behind can be detrimental to their success. Mm -hmm. So, and and nick their self-esteem. And and I will put the caveat of if a kid has a learning disability or a learning difference, then sometimes the workbooks aren't going to work and you need direct intervention. But for a lot of these kids, and we're dealing with this learning gap from online learning, most of these kids will be okay with a couple extra practice worksheets, some extra flashcards. If your child isn't progressing with flashcards and with workbooks, then we talk about, okay, maybe there's a bigger issue that we're dealing with. Then we can look at, do we have those neuropsychological constructs for learning? But most of your kids, like I said, are going to do great with the Star Wars math books or any of the ones you can get even at the dollar store. And and I just want to reiterate, no more than ten to twenty minutes a day. Yeah. Um. I, I've I've seen parents say, oh, you know, it's summertime. I'm going to put them, you know, basically in summer school for X amount of hours per day. Kids need downtime, and yeah. they need to process information. They need to relax. They need to socialize. So I, I really, as much as we want them to bridge the learning gap, we also want them to learn about social behavior yeah. and. Because school is their job, so they still need to do their job by going to school, but they don't have the fully developed brains that we do, so they need more breaks, they need more structure, they need more hand-holding. And so using their time, scheduling their time in a way that works best for your family so you still get interaction, you don't have an exhausted kid, you don't have a meltdown kid, but you're supporting them in the ways that work best for each individual child. Right, right. One of the um, most interesting things that I have seen recently is uh, mind print assessments, and they're designed for kids who are in K through 12. Um, and this particular assessment, you know, addresses or assesses, I should say, visual motor speed, processing speed, attention, working memory, flexible thinking, verbal reasoning, abstract reasoning, so um spatial perception and verbal and visual memory. So there's a lot of things in here that are assessed um, that really have to do with a child's um, success overall. It's not necessarily focused on academics, but it does address these skill sets. And these are skill sets that are very important to overall success. So if that's something that would interest you, you can, you can always go to um, mindprint.com or you can give me a call. But it gives you a nice little roadmap that helps you see where your students or your child's um, deficiencies are, as well as see where their successes are, where their strengths are. And you can use those strengths to help them get where they need to go. Um, And I, I happen to really like mind print assessments because they really help identify what your students' strengths are and, and what areas they really need some help with, what skill sets need work. Um, this is a really great way for you to kind of design a roadmap to help your students succeed down the road. So, um, Tara, do you have any examples or stories that you'd like to share? I mean, I've got lots of stories. What do you want to hear about? (laughs) I want to hear about some of the most recent challenges that you've helped your students get through that have had to do with learning. Um, You know, that's a good question. I've got... You know, a, a, I'm looking at my microphone. We've already talked about this. I'm like looking away as I'm thinking. 
Um, a predominant part of my practice is that assessment piece. Right. It is helping families understand their individual child's strengths and weaknesses, making diagnoses where appropriate so that their child can be successful in the classroom so that they have a good understanding of how their child's brain works so that they can tailor their own expectations. And what I get a lot from my work with the families I work with is, oh, okay, that is an area where there just is a disability that I can't push up against. Or, okay, I can push in this area because I know that they can do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the most rewarding part of my job is helping, helping families understand where to, where to push, mm-hmm. where to take a step back, helping families navigate what battles they want to choose. Um, I get a lot of kids who, with my older kids, I should say, I'll spend time and I'll teach them how their brain works. So mm-hmm. after all is said and done, after I do a, a very thorough feedback with parents so that they know, okay, here's exactly what's going on. I walk kids through without showing them all the data, without bogging them down. You know, here, here's what's going on. This is the hand you've been dealt with. This is what I've learned. Here are some things that you can do to help you be successful. And I'll never forget this one. She cracks me up. Um, so I evaluated a girl, very bright. Um, I work with a lot of kids who are twice successful. One of my areas of specialty. So she was very bright, overall very successful, had a lot going for her, but was struggling with anxiety, depression, and didn't understand why. So I did a comprehensive neuropsychological evaluation in addition to some mood testing with her. And I'm walking her through, and it turns out she's got ADHD that nobody caught because she's so bright that she can just pass. So she's not paying attention. She's missing a lot of information at school, but she's so stinking smart that she can put the pieces together and no one has any clue what she's going through. And so I'm walking her through and we're talking about how it's really important that when she gets home from the day, for example, she was about to go off to college, um, that her shoes are in a certain spot, her purse is in a certain spot, her keys are in a certain spot, because she's going to be the kid who locks her dorm room keys in our <laughs> dorm all of the time, and the TAs have to let her in. That was me. Um, so we're, <laughs> we're walking through of, like, everything needs a particular spot, and it doesn't need to be organized and pretty and clean necessarily, but if something is not where it should be, you're going to totally lose it. Um, and she just starts cracking up. <laughs> and I was like not normally where people laugh at me so talk to you about what's going on and she's like so I was at camp and I walked out of our um cabin without my pants on it's because my pants <laughs> were in the same place they normally are we're talking like 130 140 IQ kids super smart very well put together I'm like yes this is why you left your camp cabin without your pants on because they were in a different <laughs> spot. And this is why your purse needs to be in the same spot every day or else you're going to lose it. And she's like, oh, I understand. That is hilarious. I mean, that, that's the best part about what I do is just helping. I, I really like it with the kids. Like, It's awesome to let the parents know what's going on. Um, but I really like being able to teach the kids, you know, this is what's good for your brain. This is what's not. Take it or leave it. 
Like right. you can leave my office and do nothing that I'm suggesting right now. It's on you. Ball's in your court. Cause now I've taught you, you know, this is the hand you've been dealt in life. This is what you need to do to be successful. Now you're going to choose whether or not you do it. Um, and I use choose with a grain of salt because a lot of these kids can't choose the kids I work with. Um, they, they don't choose to perform poorly. They don't choose to have these gaps in education. It's just because their dis- their disability gets in their way of learning like other kids. Um, but it's, are you taking accountability for all the information I've given you? You right. know, you're going to make inattentive mistakes. You're going to make impulsive mistakes. You're going to do silly things. You're going to be behind in school, you know, mm-hmm. tying it back to what we're talking about. I went down a rabbit hole. Um, but are you going to own up to that and take the next steps to correct what your disability, the situation your disability created for you? Or the right. situation we have, you know, COVID-19 has put you in. Right. Um, and, and maybe in some cases, bringing an advocate in is, is appropriate. Um, if you can't bridge their learning gap on your own as a parent um, working with the school, maybe it's time to bring in an advocate. And that's something we've talked about in depth in our last um, episode. I think it was our last episode with Laura Passmore. But, um, you know, it, I, I think an advocate is a, is a great way to help your child get what they need. And that way you as a parent are not put in a difficult position. You've hired somebody who's very experienced, who's knowledgeable, and probably already has a relationship with the school. And making sure you're working with professionals who understand the schools as well. I've Mm -hmm. seen quite a few parents fall into the trap. Well, this professional told me that you guys could do all of this and it's something the school doesn't actually do and, and can't legally do. Um, and, and the parent feels set up for failure. So making sure you're surrounding yourself with a community, whether it be personal or professional members of your community that are there to support you as a parent who have your best interests in mind as they're making recommendations, as they're talking to you, whether it be your mom tribe, your parent tribe or whether it be professionals that, that you hire to work specifically with you and your family. And I think it's really important that parents as well as students know that they don't have to do things alone, mm-hmm. that there, there is a, there's a help out there and there's a lot of professionals that can help guide you and find what you need or be the person that actually helps you get what you need for your child. And I think an advocate is a really great place to start if you're having issues with this school. But there's other professionals, too. You can call Dr. Bald or you can call me. We'd be happy to direct you um, to where you need to be. Um, But there's lots of professionals out there that will help guide you to get where you need to be without having to necessarily use their services if it's not appropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think it's the hardest part of this process, the hardest part of raising kids is asking for help, is relying on others, where there's very much an expectation that you do it yourself, that you know what's going on, that, you know, (laughs) there's a lot of parents. parents, These are (laughs) most parents. It's that concept of these are my kids. I'm responsible. Right. I go ask for help. It means I'm not doing my job. Exactly. I'm weak. I, and it's, 
so much. It takes a lot of strength to ask for help. Like the strongest yeah. people are the ones who ask for help. It's not the people who suffer in silence. Right. Or feel lost. Yeah. As, as hard as it is to ask for help, I think it's really important for your child's future and for mm-hmm. your family's future. I mean, as a family, you need to make sure that your kids are as successful as possible. Um, and I think um, we've given you some really great suggestions today. Um, if this is something that resonates within you and you want some more guidance, feel free to talk to myself or Dr. Sarah Bald. Mm-hmm. Um, we'd be happy to direct you any way we can. Um, I would like to spend a little bit more time maybe talking about a few more success stories, if you could. I'm sure you have a ton of success stories. This is what you do for a living. I Well, yes. <laughs> you, <evaluate. laughs> you do. You do well, the yeah, I, 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 I love the kids that I work with. Um, you know, I tell all my students um, that they're exactly the way they're meant to be and that they're just young. And because they're young, they've got some challenges. But if they work on those challenges, then they will overcome them as adults. And, um, you know, talking about bridging the learning gap, you know, I, I see so many kids that come to me um, that just plain struggle with not having everything they need. I have a student who has a, um, he's, he's a young man. He's 21, uh, very bright. He got into Berkeley. He's, um, you know, he, he, he did very well, but he has a diagnosis of um, ADHD and autism and a couple other things that, you know, are out there. And he has a very supportive family, very supportive therapist, but you know, he, he doesn't have great processing speed. So when he does things, he struggles. So what we're trying to do is help him bridge that learning gap that's happened over the last two years with COVID by just improving his processing speed. So once he can uh, improve his processing speed and, and you know, get back at Berkeley, he's, he's going to be unstoppable. He's going to be doing things that maybe I wish I could do. <laughs> and he's only 21. So it's, I love it's fantastic. My learners. I love my yeah. learners who have something else going on because they are not the lemmings the rest of us are. They're the ones who aren't going to take. We've always done it this way. So we're going to keep doing it this way. They're the ones who are going to, to create change in the world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I have story after story of, of wonderful success stories. Um, all these wonderful kids that I work with. And and I'm really grateful that they're able to come to me. And, and I'm, as I tell their parents all the time, I appreciate the opportunity that they gave me to work with them. And to see that success really makes me feel good. Um, but every day we're working on bridging that learning gap, um, especially for younger kids who've had to deal with COVID and their education. I'm always a little envious of my interventionist because you guys really do get to see the follow through. You know, I, I'm lucky to hear from mm-hmm. a family again after an evaluation. And, and usually I, I will every once in a yeah. while. I, I have one family who's tracked me for five, six years and just every year. Hey, here's what's been going on. Here's all the successes we've had since we figured out what was going on. Um, but I'm always a little envious of the interventionists who get to follow these kids because they really get to see all the hard work that these kids put in. And, and there's going to have to be a lot of grit. I mean, there's going to have to be grit the next couple of years mm-hmm. to get caught back up. Um, really, so there is. Yeah. I'm, you know, it's, it's awesome to be the parents, to be the teachers, to be the interventionists who, who can see that and who can see these kids rebuild. Um, to, to be Absolutely. 
Yeah. And, and if you're a parent, you're looking for somebody to work with, you know, I, as a coach do not work by myself. I work with neuropsychologists and therapists and, you know, a variety of different professionals that help work with the students. So um, don't feel like you have to work with just one person. You can work with a team and you should have a team that is willing to work with each other. So when I work with a family, I really want to make sure that I incorporate everybody that's still involved and hopefully we can bring quite a bit of success to that student's life. So, um, yeah, so I just, I just want to say thank you for, for joining us today. Um, and thank you, Sarah, for taking time and sharing your wonderful knowledge with us. Would you like to tell our listeners how they can get in touch with you? Yes. Um, so my name is Dr. Sarah Bald. I'm the owner of Nest Psychological. You can find us online at www.nestnestpsychaz.com. Thank you so much. And if you're looking to get in touch with me, you can go to my website, executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Our next uh, Executive Function Magazine, Volume 4, is coming out October 10th. Um, if you have not subscribed to that yet, please feel free to do so. It, once again, you can go to the website, subscribe, just make sure that you go back and you um you have to click on some email that you get. So make sure you take care of that. And then you'll receive our copy. Uh, we've got some wonderful articles coming. And you can also see Dr. Bald's ad in the magazine. So if you do need to get in touch with her, she's in there as well. And uh, we have a great directory. So if you're looking for other professionals, um, it's a wonderful way to get connected with others. And, um, you know, we just want to thank you for listening. Uh, without you, this would not be possible. So thank you for listening. And if you'd like to get in touch with me for any other reason, whether you want to write an article for the magazine, whether you want to do an ad for the radio show or the magazine or any other reason, feel free to call me at 480-648-1122. And once again, the website is executivefunctioncoachaz.com. Thank you again. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to Focus on Success. Please join your host, Fazia Costi, for another program next Wednesday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again, have a great week.